0: The reading of the scriptures from Acts chapter 28, reading verses 1 to 15. I invite your hearing of God's word in faith, but also in joy. From Acts chapter 28. And we, after we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. Then when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune came to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now, in the neighborhood of that place, were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases all came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and there we made a circuit and a ride at Regium. And after one day, south uh, south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Petila. And there we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Most of us are well aware of the fact that there are very few guarantees in life. Um, but we know from my text that the Apostle Paul has received a guarantee on a couple of occasions that he will, he will go to Rome. And if you understand that promise of God, it means that, uh, Paul's going to come through this great storm, and Paul's going to go through another tragic event of nature. Uh, Because God has promised him to go to Rome, he is going to Rome, and nothing can stop it. Uh, It's not unlike our lives. God has uh, guaranteed, uh, for those who truly believe him, who have saving faith in his son, that uh, they will enter heaven. Uh, And like the Apostle Paul, we're going to encounter storms. Uh, We're going to encounter evil, we're going to encounter serpents along the way, Uh, but God has so guaranteed it. We will enter heaven. Uh, This is a historic event, but it has many applications of God's providence of our journey to heaven. God's providence protecting and preserving us. Uh, I was reminded, uh, thinking of the word providence, the shorter catechism tells us that the Providence of God is this most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. And so, uh, in another uh, event, we're going to watch uh, the grace of God preserve the apostle Paul and govern all who come into contact with him to ensure that he gets to Rome. Uh, In verses uh, 1 to 6, it's going to be a marvelous expression of God's uh, providence. And then God's going to bless Paul's ministry with a number of miracles in verses 7 to 10. And then in verses 11 to 15, provision him uh, for journeys in. He's going to Rome. Nothing's going to stop him going to Rome. Uh, So first, uh, providence is seen in God's uh, preservation of his apostle uh, we studied last week uh, God preserving the entire ship's company from an incredibly violent storm. And uh, I was uh, struck by the reality that everyone on the ship really owes their safe passage to the Apostle Paul, much like we owe our safe passage to the Lord Jesus Christ. But now, uh, another uh, event of God's providence uh, Uh, is going to continue to protect the Apostle Paul. So the the entire ship's company uh, makes it to a beach in Malta. Uh, The natives um, uh, respond in in kindness. Very interesting that the literal word for natives is that from which we have our uh, English word uh, uh, barbarians, meaning that they were non-Greek speaking. Uh, so Paul again is landing in uh, foreign territory, uh, and the text says they—they they show they continue to show uh, no uh, ordinary kindness. Uh, the The figure of speech there is to intensify uh, their reception of this entire distressed ship's company. Uh, The word kindness is that from which we have our English word philanthropy, which if you break it down in its constituent Greek parts, it's love of man. Uh, So kindness on behalf of uh, the Maltese people, on behalf of uh, those who are shipwrecked. There's a greater act of kindness, as you know. I want to turn in your New Testaments momentarily uh, to Titus uh, chapter 2 in verse 14. Uh, remind you of, of a greater love uh, for God's people. Um, when the kindness of our God appeared, uh, verse 11, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. The kindness of God appeared to you. His love of his people. In this case, the Maltese people come with a great love for this ship's company. Because it was raining and uh, cold, they do a natural thing, begin to build fires. Luke is going to focus on one of those fires, namely where Paul is. He grabs some sticks to throw in the fire, and then a viper fastens on his hand. Now, the natives were very superstitious. Well, this guy must be a bad guy. Snake's going to get him. Obviously, he's a poisonous snake because they, they look for him to swell up and eventually uh, perish, um, but he shakes it off and falls into the fire. Um, suffers no harm. Again, It's not just a quirk of nature. It's a providence of God. Because the providence of God intervenes and neutralizes in some way. uh, We would call that some way a miracle. To neutralize the poison of this snake. Uh, I would remind you that uh, particular to the Apostle Paul. uh, May not necessarily be particular to you. Go tromping around uh, the forest. Uh, there may be rattlesnakes. I'm not saying this miracle is going to apply to you, but it applies to the Apostle Paul. God can will his miracles to be selective and not universal. Uh, but his providence is going to secure our safe passage. And that's what's doing here. Paul is going to Rome and not even a poisonous snake can get in the way. God miraculously intervenes. Why is that? Because God has promised the Apostle Paul. If you look at 27-24, remind ourselves, angel of the Lord comes to Paul in the midst of this violent storm, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you and all those who are sailing with you. God grant. God gave. The providence of the gift of God gave Paul safe passage, and everyone that was on that ship, the grace of God. So we know from that standpoint, there could have been lions and tigers and snakes and poisonous spiders and everything else that causes your skin to uh, get the willies could have latched on to Paul. But he's going to get to Rome. Uh, Because when God promises, we know behind those promises is the power of the divine ability of omnipotence. He has all power. And he manifests that power at a point in time to neutralize the poison. Just a divine ability. Beautiful expression of God's marvelous providence in protecting Paul. Again, Paul was promised safe passage. uh, But but notice from these two chapters, um, not an easy passage, was it? Violet storm, now a snake. Good application. Man, if I just memorize all the promises of God and do all the right things, He'll make it easy for me. Everything will go smooth at work and smooth in national affairs and I'll just breeze into heaven. No, there's never a promise of safe passage in terms of an easy way. It's a challenging journey. But Paul's going to get to Rome. It's a good reminder that our way, a very similar uh, form of application, can be very dangerous. Uh, We just know the end state. Because uh, Christ, by his power, has saved us, we're going to enter heaven. Because the word that promises Paul is the same word that promises us. It's a good reminder of the gospel to know Christ. Uh, Knowing Christ does not uh, guarantee us an easy way. Quite the contrary. Uh, Christ's way to the cross was very challenging, very difficult, filled with passion and suffering. In a measure in form, it is so in terms of our way to our eternal destiny. Uh, Our way is not salvific. Uh, but nonetheless, it parallels the way of our great Redeemer. Uh, knowing Christ is challenging. But the end state, one of my favorite verses, all that the Father given me, uh, I will lose none. John six thirty nine. Everyone, John 10, that he has given me, no one can pluck them out of my hand. At that decisive point in the word of God's promise to you, That your eternal security and assurance is guaranteed based upon the work of Christ. And nothing can violate that. Not storms or serpents or evil men or violent governments or on and on. As Paul was guaranteed safe passage to Rome, you and I by the grace of God and God's divine providence are guaranteed entrance into heaven. Beautiful picture of this in uh, Luke chapter 10. If you want to turn again, important to turn to Luke because it's the same author of the book of Acts. Luke chapter 10. uh, Jesus commissions his 70 to go witness. Uh, He does not promise them an easy time of it. He tells them to take no provision for he will provision them in the homes in the cities where they go. They are to heal the sick as evidence of the presence of the kingdom. If rejected, and they're going to be rejected, they're to remember that God will judge those that have rejected them. And when their message is accepted, they're told that the hearers were listening to Jesus. And so they go in obedience to their Savior. You and I are commanded to witness. We go out of obedience to our Savior they experienced some success. Let's read the text, Luke 10, in verses 17 to 20. And the 70 returned you joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Now think about it. They experience all this success. What's the cause of their success? That their names were recorded in the eternal decrees of God, to be the sons of God. That's the guarantee of our success, that from eternity past, God chose us in his Son, the Beloved One. Every spiritual success that we come to in this dangerous world is tied to our sovereign elections. It's very interesting that uh, this text, you want to turn to its Old Testament uh, point of allusion. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. I believe... Uh, Luke is uh, alluding uh, to the event of the children of Israel in the wilderness. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness, he fed you manna with your fathers. did not know that he might humble you, that he might test you to do good for you in the end. So in their entire journey, in this dangerous journey, the providence of God provided for them water and a rock. Paul tells us, by the way, that that rock was Christ. Our daily provision. They encountered all the creepy creatures of the desert. Scorpions and serpents. God protected him. Gave him manna. Spiritual analog to us is that God gave us his son. Uh, he's the bread of life. We eat him, we live forever. We drink his blood, we live forever. John 6. Uh, the journey will not be an easy one. Uh, but it will be one in which we are guaranteed safe passage to come to the end. Just like the Apostle Paul. That as providence protected Paul, providence protects us. Based on what? Our names were recorded in the book of life. And therefore, all of the benefits of the grace of God accrue to us and grant us that state by God's grace. it's it's an incredible reminder uh, i'm reminded that uh as uh, as a preacher we call upon men to believe in christ we ask them to do something uh to repent of their sins to come to the savior to be baptized a number of things that they do but those things don't cause salvation they're the expression of it what causes salvation is linked all all the way to the eternal decrees of a great and majestic God. Our names are courted in heaven. It's the purest form of the grace of the providence of God as there is in all of the scripture. That he chose us in the beloved before the foundation of the world. Not based upon anything within us or about us, anything that we would do or anything that we could do or anything within us, but solely that he was good to us and recorded our names. In the book of life. And that we owe everything. To his sovereign grace. That guarantees. Guarantees our arrival home. Ephesians 1.13. Paul says. uh, In the beloved. You've been sealed by the spirit. That sealing is a guarantee. A divine if you will. imprimatur." That all of the forces of evil cannot get at us. That our soul will enter heaven. A beautiful picture of the providence of God that mirrors God's providence and kindness in protecting Paul from the poison of this viper. Revelation chapter 7, verse 3 God is about to pour judgments upon the earth like he's doing now. He tells the angels, before, before you pour those judgments out, let me seal my bondservants to protect them spiritually. So of all the judgments of this world that God pours out upon the world, continually judging the world, raining disaster upon men because of their sin, because of the rejection of him, how do we escape? We escape because he sealed us to protect us. And so all of the power of the satanic world is restrained from getting at us. The most beautiful picture to me is Revelation 20, and verse 3. Uh, Satan is, uh, is bound. The metaphor in the text is of chain. Obviously metaphorical because you can't literally chain a spirit being. But it's speaking of restraining. In some manner or form, he's restraining Satan. The text tells us exactly the purpose. That he should no longer deceive the nations. That's why Christ comes into the world and he plunders the nations and the Gentiles come. And Jews come to faith, of course. How is that? Because he restrains the power of Satan. Over those whose names have been recorded in heaven. Had he not restrained the power of Satan, none of us would make it. None. Because of the power of Satan to deceive. The great deceiver. How is it that we escape the designs of the great deceiver? Because because we passed calculus in college? Because we're smarter than our neighbors? No. Because Jesus restrained the power of Satan to deceive us. So that we come to him, believe him, hope him, flee to him. And because he seals us. Think of it in the veins of the terrible storm, this tornado that attacks this little old boat in the middle of the ocean, violent winds. The ship breaking up. God restrains the wind in such a way that it breaks up on the beach or near the beach and so they can all make it to the shore. God restraining nature. In our case, he restrains all of the forces of evil so that we come. We come to the Savior based upon his goodness. It's very interesting to me, um, repairing back to the viper, um, there are some churches in some states where it's legal that handle snakes. I mean, I get it. People read the text and they sometimes uh, take it much too literally. Um, We don't do that at Grace Bible Church for the obvious reasons be a very dangerous thing to do. Just because God promises that particularly to the Apostle Paul does not mean it's a universal promise. It'd be almost to test and to tempt God. It also fails to make a distinction between the original disciples of Jesus and us. And there is a distinction. There has to be a distinction. It's quite evident that there is a distinction. I don't make it, he does. greater point is, in every church, we should be comforted by the fact that our names have been recorded in heaven. And that choice engages his preservation of our souls, ultimately, and of course, our bodily resurrection. Paul was made physically safe, guaranteed he's going to get to Rome. We are promised that our souls are absolutely made spiritually safe uh, by the power of God. And that's really the greater reality in our call to worship. uh, Psalm uh, Psalm 91 uh, in verse 13. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. I love the promise that Paul gives to the Roman church in chapter 16 and verse 20. And I will soon crush Satan under your feet. That's what those texts point to. The fact that we will overcome in our life because of the grace and power of God, and by the power of God, we will crush Satan under our feet. In our strength, of course not, in his divine power and goodness. And so we are promised to be overcomers in all the dangers and all the violence of the journey and all the temptations and all the struggles. Paul says we are super overcomers because of him who loved us. Next in verses uh, 7 to 10, the providence of God uh, blesses Paul's ministry with uh, miracles and blessings upon the people of, of Malta. Uh, the Roman governor welcomes and entertains uh, Paul's party for three days. Uh, I mean, he was just a good guy, right? No, God was at work. In some manner or form, the Spirit of God said, Governor, take care of my people. And so he does. He entertains uh, Paul for three days. Um, uh, The verb uh, entertain is is that from which we have our word for stranger. Uh, It's very interesting that uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews in the 13th chapter Uh, in verse 2, tells us uh, in these beautiful words, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Goes on to give a reason for some have entertained angels in allusion to Old Testament Abraham. Um, It's a great expression of uh, the kindness of God. Knowing the kindness of God that came to us, we Develop a sense of kindness to our neighbors. Uh, The modifier in verse seven of this entertainment is with great courtesy. Uh, Love of thought is the literal Greek word. Concept of hospitality. It's very interesting that uh, hospitality in the ancient Near East was a uh, like a sacred duty. I'm not necessarily suggesting it's a sacred duty to us today, but I do think it's a measure of duty. However, in our own liberty, we choose to exercise it. Uh, But when a stranger came and needed help and uh, a place of safety, a place to eat, uh, it was his duty to be cared for. I mean, that wasn't the world of the Circle 8 or the Circle 6 or whatever it is that we see along I-whatever. There were no motels. There were no restaurants. And therefore, the duty to entertain, to provide those in need based upon their duty and their in-state was given to the people of God. And again, I don't think it's necessarily a requirement and mandate for us, but it is a beautiful expression of the gospel to be kind and gracious and generous to people who are in particular in need. Now, that's not to suggest when you see someone hitchhiking that you should stop and pick them up. In fact, I would I would entertain the opposite. Keep driving. Because of the incredible evil in our world. But I will tell you, when I was a high school student, to show you the gravity of the intensity of our culture, and I needed a ride somewhere, I could knock on the window of a woman stopped at a stoplight, and she would give me a ride. Today, she would accelerate <laughs> as fast as she could. Why is that? Because it is a profoundly dangerous world. But yet, even in that danger, when we have occasion, to be kind and gracious. I'm suggesting you use your common sense and wisdom. But nevertheless, uh, people in different stripes and forms come and need assistance. And we give it to them. It's one of the reasons we uh, diligently make collections for the Congo uh, and Uganda to show hospitality. Remember uh, having a, a dear lady that used to work for Barbara and me in our home and um, she would help us on occasion uh, with events to show kindness and entertain family or whoever. And she said, Phil, um, all this stuff you've got, people don't buy that anymore because no one entertains anymore. I said, really? What? What a a tragedy. Uh, Because it almost is a way uh, a denial of uh, the kindness of our Savior who is kind and gracious to us. Very interesting, uh, perhaps that's by the way, reversing because I was watching one of my favorite early morning news programs and uh, a lady said during the COVID I couldn't go anywhere. Where could I go? So I went up to clean out my attic and I come across my grandmother's china. And I said, wow, I can entertain with this. Perhaps there's a reminder there to discover the kindness and generosity of her grandmother. I kind of wonder why it wasn't her mother's China. But who am I? The kindness and the grace of God. Uh, And again, I understand it's not the sacred duty as it was in the Old Testament. And I understand we must be profoundly careful. We cannot pick up people off the street because of the violence uh, that exists in our culture. Sad to say. But there are occasions. Here is one of them. The people of Malta caring for the Apostle Paul. Uh, Perhaps we should remember that in our own uh, relationships in Grace Bible Church. Uh, I know we do. Uh, Someone gets sick. There's a place where you can sign up to send meals Uh, and on and on. Uh, But maybe inviting people into our homes as an expression of the kindness of God seen in our Savior as a mere reflection. Of the grace of God. Paul. uh, The grace of God. uh, Made us to connect with other people. Uh, That's why I don't believe in becoming a monk. And joining a monastery. And a life of total seclusion. That's just a violation of this principle. We're not to be secluded and withdraw ourselves. We're to go out to show ourselves so as not to put a bushel basket over the light of the gospel. Well, in the case of this entertainment, the governor's father uh, is ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went to see him, prays for him, heals him. And then others come, verse nine, they're healed too. Again, I would remind you, I mean, we can pick up a couple of instances of this. Uh, it's everywhere in Acts, but uh, Acts chapter 5 uh, and verse 16. And also the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. Another text, 1911. And God was performing performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. My own conviction that uh, God clusters his miracles around Jesus and his apostles. I don't think he does that today, but uh, I don't have a definitive text to prove uh, that to you. Uh, I just know it does not happen the way it did to the apostles. Uh, Don't play fast and loose with a rattlesnake and expect God to neutralize the poison and like the governor they uh they honored Paul's party um so uh, Paul and his party were the recipients of much hospitality and this went on for not 3 days 3 months the kindness of the people 3 months one of the tragedies of our culture is there's so many assistance program, that we become callous. There's every assistance program possible. So, there's really no need to show hospitality. What a, what a great opportunity has been taken away from us by governments. Uh, I'm not suggesting it's uh, wrong or evil. I believe in caring for people who need caring for. But nonetheless, it denies a measure of the church in showing kindness. That's why it's so... Uh, such a priority for me to pour as much money as we can into Uganda and the Congo. Because those programs don't exist there. I love the fact that we could help Upoki build a wall around his house. Why is that? Because the rebels were spraying bullets all over the place. He wanted to protect his family. Our kindness did that as an expression of what? The grace of God and the gospel. Very encouraging by the way, the amount of money in this small church that we raise for someone truly in need is an expression of the kindness of God, the hospitality, uh, the goodness of God's people. Uh, But regardless, it's a great reminder of the importance of prayer and the practice of hospitality. Then in verses 11 to 15, Providence blesses Paul with provisions uh, for the remainder of his journey to Rome. People of Malta placed on board uh, the ship all that was necessary for completion of the journey. Uh, very interesting in this text, there's an uh, expression of idolatry. Uh, Luke uh, mentions that uh, the ship had the twin sons of Zeus, reflecting superstition and idolatry the ship's owners. The twin sons of Zeus were going were gonna to give Paul safe passage from Malta uh, to Italy, really. It's, it's almost ironic humor because um, no twin sons of Zeus protected Paul from the viper or the violence of the storm, in the previous chapter. It's God's providence. That's why in our language we don't, we don't use words like chance or love. Because we're not idolaters. There are no twin sons of Zeus, by the way. There's the providence of God. that's giving Paul safe passage. And there's a providence of God who gives us safe passage to heaven. Good reminder that you and I live in a culture that's more and more steeped in idolatry. As a church, we reject that. Because... There's only one God. And there's only safety in the one Son and by His power that gets us to heaven. I'm always mindful of that when I see a good Catholic wearing some good luck charm. Think about that. There's no saint that gets us to heaven. There's a Son of God. It gets us to heaven. Catholic Church, they pray to the saints. They wear their medallions. And on and on. We don't do that. Because we don't have to. We know the sun. Knowing the sun means that our names are recorded in heaven. And that is our safe passage. And the providence in this historical event. Safety from the viper, the hospitality of the governor, and all of the Maltese people. Providing assistance for three months and then stocking the ship. is also a measure of God's goodness to us. There's a beautiful prayer in Isaiah that reminds me of this. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 51. It's important that it's Isaiah because much of our study of the book of Acts has relied continually on the great promises of God found in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter fifty-one. There's a there's a beautiful prayer. Uh, begins in uh, verse nine. Uh, but before I I read uh, verse nine, I'd like to read uh, verse three. Isaiah fifty-one three. Indeed, the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places and her wilderness he will make like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the sound of a melody. The God in the end is going to refashion the garden of Eden. Wow. What must it be like? greater question is how to get there. Get there by his son, Jesus Christ. Knowing him will get us into the last great eschatological garden fashioned by the majesty of God. I trust you know that, son, because you have safe passage to get there. And nothing can prevent you. Now let's look at the prayer, uh, verses 9 to 11. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not thou who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon? Was it not thou who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a pathway for the redeemed to cross over? So the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, and everlasting joy will be on their heads, and they will obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. That promise if you know the Son, is your promise. Because God will make a way. It's, it's of course, a, a prayer for God to awaken, to put on strength, presupposing danger. And there's always danger in this world. Notice the reference to Rahab, a reference to the dragon that God cut up in the sea and drowned the dragon who was Pharaoh and made safe passage on dry ground applies to us. If you read Revelation chapter 12, it breaks beautifully and majestically upon us because the earth drinks up the water of deception so that we can pass in our journey on dry ground. God not making an easy way, but a certain way to a beautiful end. And knowing the Savior, knowing God's providence, the protected Paul. the same providence that protects us. It reminds me of uh, the beautiful prayer in Psalm 121. Uh, that God will keep us from slipping. How is it that we make it to heaven? We're so sure-footed. We have the right shoes. Uh, we rejected Adidas for Hocus. We were just a bit smarter on that day. No. God keeps us from slipping. The same, the same providence that kept Paul from being swept away by waves into the Mediterranean. The same providence protects our souls on the way to heaven. And Isaiah has told us what heaven will look like. What a grand day that will be. Oh, to enter it, because our names are written in heaven. Uh, if you don't know whether your name was written in heaven or not, believe in the Son. Repent of your sin. Flee to him for safety. It's the only place of safety. There's no safety whatsoever outside of him. Only only in him, and his shed blood, is a ransom for your sin. Uh, the key to the prayer in Isaiah is what God did in the past in destroying Egypt. And in making a pathway through the sea that God will do the same for us. Making us secure. The destination, sure. The journey dangerous, but the pathway, he will see us all the way to the end. It's exactly what's occurring to Paul. Acts 27, 28. He's going to get to Rome. Journey's quite dangerous, but he's going to get to Rome. I mean, what a real comfort that is for us who are believers. Who know the Savior is saving power that we'll enter Eden. God will make it so. We're secure in Him. I, I love the promise. Therefore, all of the redeemed will return. It's exactly informing the words of our Savior in John six: "Of all that the Father has given me, I lose none." How can Jesus say that? I mean, people lose things all the time. You imagine the sheer omniscience that he knows everyone, his omnipotence that he loses none, his power, his goodness, his grace. None are lost. What a compelling reason to flee to the safety that's only in Christ and to walk in his way and to know his end. Reminds us of a measure of eternity. Acts 28 does. Uh, I, I think about all the food. The governor takes care of Paul. The Maltese take care of Paul for three months. Just one continual denny party. And then they shove all the supplies they need on ship. Think about it. Psalm 23.5. Jesus says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and my cup never runs out. It'll be that way in eternity. It'll overflow. No one will say, Master, can I have some more? Be a continual supply of every provision imaginable. Acts chapter 3 verse 21 in terms of healing speaks of the beginning of the end time restoration that's going to run its course And in the eternities, the restoration will become absolute, total, and complete. Every brokenness will be fixed. It's a compelling reminder. As beautiful as medical science is, as beautiful of the help given by psychiatrists and psychologists and orthopedic surgeons, they can only do so much in heaven, God will do it all. And the restoration will be total and perfect to the redeemed and the restored sons of the last Adam who is Jesus Christ. And then in terms of safety, Paul shakes off the viper. I I read this text last week. It's a very compressed form of Isaiah 11, but Isaiah 65 and verse 25. And the wolf and the lamb shall graze together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox, and the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall do no evil or harm in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. You and I live in a dangerous world. There are threats everywhere. China, Russia, everyone trying to get in our computer system, Uh, Everyone trying to hack into our bank accounts. And on and on it goes. Evil men. um, How can we make it? I just know that our souls will. And I know that in eternity, every threat and every danger will be removed. There will be no vipers that can poison us. There will be no COVID 240 or whatever it is. Um, There will be no hackers. Total, complete, absolute joy and safety forever, world without end. Isaiah tells us. So the safety given Paul is a historical event. I understand this is not an allegory but it is a faint shadow of all that breaks upon us from the good shepherd of the sheep who guards us all along the way with his rod and his staff. And he will see us to the end and set a full table in absolute gladness and joy throughout all time. Paul's going to Rome. If you know the Savior? You're going to heaven. Protected all along the way. And the providence that kept Paul is keeping you in Jesus Christ all along the way to get you to the greatest end state that can ever be imagined by his grace in writing our names in eternity past. Great reason to praise him.